Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool, for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. But today is different. Today, we're doing something slightly different because across the profession, there are many people going beyond diploma and going even beyond chartered. Several universities have now established master's qualifications and students have undertaken significant research. Our interview today explores some of that master's research and its findings, but also the journey that individuals have gone on. I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Rutherford, who completed his master's dissertation in 2021. Hello, Alan. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm really well, Eddie. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to come along and speak to you today. It's our pleasure. Totally our pleasure. Um, thank you so much for sharing a copy of your research in advance. Um, as I was going through it, I noticed it was focused on millennials in Aberdeen and their financial decisions. So uh, I'm curious, uh, what, what, what made you sort of decide to go and do that research? Well, um, the, the, the starting point was really an understanding of the, the size of the millennial marketplace um, for me uh, as a, a financial advisor. You know, there's an estimate that the workforce is going to be dominated by millennials, almost 75% of the workforce by 2025. And I thought that if I was going to do some additional development for myself personally and for my business, then something that faced into what is going to be an ever-expanding um, client opportunity and be able to help clients in that particular space. Also, I was really aware that when you, you look into the millennial perspective, it often comes across as being perhaps treated in a very negative light by uh, preceding generations, whether that's the employer um, or, or uh, others who are, who are looking at millennials and saying, well, they're not like us and they do things differently to us. So I thought if I was going to do research, then it needed to be pertinent to my business and uh, a growing business going forward. And regards to the Aberdeen part, well, I'm in Aberdeen. It was local to me, and I was trying to make it as easy it was as I could <laughs> to get access to the people that I would need to interview. Sure. I mean, that makes perfect sense. So having done the research, um, what are the, were the key findings from your research? I suppose there were, there was broadly three key findings that, that, uh, that I came away with. Uh, and the first is... The, the millennials that I spoke to, their planning was really very linear. Um, they focused on the first hurdle, you know, their first objective, and almost ignored any other opportunities or longer-term planning uh, thoughts. So they didn't have anything really in concurrency. It ended up with the interviews sort of really indicated that they have a one-pot solution, and that is basically... They saved their money into one bank account and they used that and they viewed that as being the solution for any future goals and objectives. Now, um, the, the, the second element that, that came very, became very clear was the, the people who had the opportunity to auto-enroll had 
Um, and that was probably their only financial planning steps that they'd taken in, in many instances. So they didn't really have a very good awareness of what the outcome would be. Is it going to be enough in retirement? Um, are they making use of the tax advantages um, that the government uh, give them to be able to utilise? Um, and they didn't have a, so didn't know their target, didn't know how to best achieve that. So it was very clear to me that financial planning would be a real advantage to that, that younger generation. And the final uh, finding that I found was that the, the, per, the perception that they are all about, you know, the online solution and the online um, uh, delivery of information and advice was very, very far from being the case. They, they like it to find the information but it doesn't shape their decision-making the same way that other factors do. So those are my three key findings. Um, and uh, I understand during this process um, of doing the dissertation that you had to do what is called a, a literature review, looking at theories and, and wider research. Um, so um, what did you learn about millennials from that wider research that you completed? Uh, I suppose, uh, so I've alluded to part of that already, so they're very much using um, the internet and, and online data as a means of gathering information but not shaping their decisions. Uh, the one thing that was very clear from the literature review that uh, I'm not a millennial. Uh, I appreciate it's a podcast, nobody can see how old I actually am, which is probably very good. But the preceding generation fundamentally always looks kind of down its nose at, the, at the, the, the current stronger generation. So, you know, Generation X, the, 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 the more uh, the baby boomers are looking at millennials with a degree of scorn. And if you take the baby boomers, for example, their parents and their previous generations would have had real issues with their musical choice, you know, you know dropping out in the 60s, all of these things. So the millennials perspective uh, or the way they're treated, it isn't any, uh, it's not radically different to where previous generations had been treated. And that, that was really very clear from the literature review. But the other element that I think was uh, particularly stark and very, very clear, affordability is fundamentally, if it's not an issue for millennials now, it's certainly going to be an increasing one for them going forward. Uh, they're they facing into um, a, bit, a very different financial landscape compared to previous generations. And, and it's shaped by you know, the amount of time that they will be renting before buying. It's shaped by the level of student debt that they may or may not be carrying in uh, to later life. So, so those two factors alone uh, are having a, a quite a considerable impact. And that all was very, very uh, clear from the literature review that I conducted. And as part of the process, you also um, you did interviews with 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 people. Um, so just for the listeners, could you explain sort of in terms of the interviews, how do they go? What what were you trying to achieve? And and and, and did they really work as you intended? I would say that it was definitely a journey for me personally in terms of what my um, how to approach. Uh, an academic interview. Uh, so the first one um, would have been probably the least effective out of all of them. So over a period of time, I conducted six interviews 
as part of my uh, dissertation. And the first one would probably be the weakest one. So, you know, you, you use that as a almost a template to say, what do I need to do to be better at this, to get better outcomes in terms of knowledge and understanding from each interview? I, I approached it as I approach many things and, and probably many of the people who will be listening today in that I had a plan. Uh, I knew broadly what topics that I wanted to discuss with the participants and you know, thought my way through how would I create a conversational interview that would not feel like an interrogation, but still give me the information that I needed and the understanding that I wanted around the factors and their decision-making process. So it was about planning it, um, being, being quite uh, aware of the deadline. I had a lot of them booked uh, going forward. The, the process that I, I used, uh, each participant would then introduce me to uh, a second participant uh, to take part. And, and it was just, I suppose, managing that, that element because some people don't look at emails uh, as often. So uh, the, one of the clear things was if you got a mobile number, they responded to text um, far more quickly than they did um, uh, an email from a financial advisor. So that, that was a really interesting um, discovery around communication styles, but probably many people already know that. So that's quite an interesting point, isn't it, around, um, you know, financial planners talking about intergenerational and um, you may be dealing with, with, the, with the parents or grandparents, but if you're thinking about intergenerational planning, you know, how you're going to communicate with the next generation, just, you know, as you made the point, just sending an email probably isn't going to be that effective. No, no. I mean, it, it is that. So there, the the digital native tag that the the millennials and the generations that are following on um, have. I suppose we do need a real awareness as to what their preferred means of communication is, and then you know approach them with that in mind. You know, if we can make things as easy for the other party as is possible, then absolutely, then everyone's getting that better result. Um, and that, that was very clear from that, that particular exercise. And, and, and I was uh, 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 re- reading in, in the Masters around um, the, the, the fact that family and the influence of family is, is really important. And, and you, you also said, I think, in there that you, you felt that um, influencers, social media influencers, weren't as influential as perhaps uh, that they thought they were. Do you want to elaborate on that at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the the social media side of things, I, I would say that the, the participants that I spoke to all have, I would describe as being a healthy degree of cynicism about what they see on social media uh, and how it's conveyed to them. So they're not taking it at face value. They're looking at uh, one um, source of information and then fundamentally going up actually, let's look into that a little bit more if that's something so, uh, of, of interest to them. The, the key driver, I think, was the social media and the internet became a, a real place of information gathering. The social media platforms that a number of the participants uh, used heavily, it was often around, uh, they, they felt that they benefited from financial advisors and um 
financial services companies, giving them information. It's not a position where they're they're seeking for a call to action and they're not responding to a call to action, but they're just basically getting an understanding. So if if it's buying their first house and you've got, they will watch YouTube clips, they will um, use TikTok to, to hear what someone's saying, here's a way to approach it. But they're not resp- responding all that well to, if you're interested, contact me. The, the real driver is, uh, it, it's people that are known to them, people that they have a trusted relationship with. And probably for the millennial gen- the millennials that I spoke to, and I spoke to the majority of them were, were at the younger end of that generation. So they were predominantly looking at um, buying, getting onto the property ladder or moving up the property ladder. That, that was very much a focus for them. They were taking a lot of guidance from family at that point in time because they were just that little bit younger. The the input from peers was 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 less significant, but both were considerably more valued by the millennials that I spoke to than information or social media. And um, and some of our listeners may um, may be thinking about going on the same journey as you and 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 doing doing a dissertation and a master's. Um, do you have um, any tips that you you could you could give them from your from your experience? Yes, uh, I, I think um, when you're choosing your topic, the the starting point I would say is is pick something that matters to you. Is if you don't have a passion for this or a desire to to know more, you're 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 going to put yourself into a whole heap of work that it's going to feel like a real real drain on time and resources. Um, so yeah, choose something that matters to you. Plan ahead. Uh, you know, avoid looming deadlines. There are lots of deadlines that you have to uh, be ready for uh, as you create your piece of work. Uh, so there's lots of staging points, and it's about being ahead of that curve as opposed to trying to play catch up. And I suppose coming back to the first point is knowing how you're going to use the findings once you have them. What are you going to do with it? Because that's a real motivator. It was a motivator for me to say, well, once I've got this, once I've got this understanding, this is how I'm going to use it. This is how it's going to make a difference to the people I engage with or you know how I engage with my community going forward so those would be uh, probably my three key tips um, in order to, to uh, I suppose getting the best out of this particular means of improving your professional development brilliant I mean that's uh, that's a great place I think to, to, to end thank you so much for your for your time today for sharing Uh, your insights. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Eddie. Thank you for your time. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.